electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. Other people want to make friends, just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach. Call me, 1-800-743-CBC. Tweet me, at Jim Kramer. Right, the market rarely moves in a straight line. So for the last seven weeks, tech stocks have been hammered mercilessly while the banks and the industrial soared. But today we got what is called a counter trend rally where the Dow advanced 103 points. Some industrials in there, but a lot of financials and mostly some techs. The S&P gained 0.7% and the tech heavy Nasdaq roared 1.23%. Now, why do I call it a counter trend rally? What is that about? What does that word mean? That means because nothing's really changed in this new environment. The banks and industrials can do no wrong while the techs can do no right, even if they get the occasional reprieve counter trend as they had today. Remember, as I have told you, you've got a huge cohort of money managers, years and years of money managers, who've been watching the bond market, and they figure we're about to get hit with booming economy that triggers an unstoppable wave of inflation. Now, that's good news for the industrials, all right? The industrials do well in that situation, uh, although I think they've run too much relative to their actual prospects. But it's also good news for the financials because elevated inflation means the Federal Reserve will eventually have to tighten and higher short-term rates will allow the banks to make more money. Meanwhile, tech's been dragged down by the fear of inflation, which erodes the value of all what are known as long-dated paper assets, which include stocks, particularly tech stocks. Historically, that's what always happens. But this is something that confuses younger, suddenly flush investors, courtesy their stimulus checks or stimmies, and they've never really lived through a time of elevated inflation, uh, so they don't know or care about the drill. But I think these younger investors could be right for the wrong reasons. They like tech no matter what. And if this inflation turns out to be temporary, if it's under control, as Fed Chief Jay Powell has argued, then tech does have a lot more room to run. However, if you are watching the show and you want winners right now, that means playing the trend, not the counter trend. On a day like today, you actually get some buying opportunities in the big cyclicals that have been cleaning up lately. Remember, the industrials have been roaring so much in part because there just aren't so... There's just so few of them. 
So they have tremendous scarcity value, which is why you have to pounce anytime you do get a buying opportunity. Let me give you some examples of what attracts me to them on a day like today. Well, we're going to start with the hottest of the hot. I mean, it is amazing. This is the hottest of the hot. But it's farm equipment stocks, which we've suffered through for years. There are really only a handful of these left. There used to be a lot of them. So the best of breed names have been roaring in anticipation of a booming farm economy. Deer's the most obvious example. Here's a fabulous company with a long history of missing estimates. That's right. You heard me. Or giving you a disappointing forecast. But with agricultural commodity prices worrying, Deer's last few quarters have been excellent. And management keeps raising guidance. Still, the stock of Deer is up 38% this year and is now selling for 23 times earnings. That means it's trading like a secular growth stock, like a Facebook. No, it's actually, it's actually more expensive than Facebook. Not a boom and bust cyclical, which tend not to be that expensive. Now, can we really justify that? Absolutely. Because there's a scarcity of farm equipment names. Agco, remember Martin Rieschenhagen? Agco is really the only publicly traded rival here. And Deere has been aggressively buying back its own stock for years. They've shrunk the share count by 25% over the past decade. Agco has been doing the same thing. As a result, you've got a genuine stock shortage in the farm equipment space. Do you understand that? There's fewer shares to buy, and there's not that many companies in the space. Now, you see the exact same thing playing out. In the railroads. All aboard! Which had some wild action today because one of the last independent American rails and one of our favorites, Kansas City Southern, is being acquired by Canadian Pacific. That leaves us with just Norfolk Southern, CSX, and Union Pacific, the latter of which we own for ActionLearnsPlus.com. Now, I think all three of these stocks are now worth buying. Right. Well, I actually liked them for a long time. Uh, but the most enticing is Union Pacific, uh, which is kind of ridiculous. The stock really got crushed today. People are worried because Canadian Pacific is their West Coast competitor. But I don't think this merger is going to do all that much damage. What really matters is that another player has been taken out, creating more scarcity value, which makes Union Pacific the buy, not the sell. How about engines? That's another classic industrial group. There's really just two left, Caterpillar and Cummins. Both of which, again, have been voracious buyers of their own stock. Think scarcity. Caterpillar shrunk its share count by 15% over the last decade. Cummins by 25%. In retrospect, those were pressured buys, right? What if you want to rent a machine rather than buy one? Well, then you've got United Rentals, another one that's been aggressively buying back stock. They've shrunk the share count by 19% in the last 10 years. Once again, scarcity value is working for you here. Now, I could perform this exercise for nearly every industrial, and you would see the same dynamic. Throw in the fact that many of these companies are components in the S&P 500, so they attract lots of automatic buying from index funds. And you get another source of endless demand. As long as the rotation continues, I think they do have more room to run, and today's the breather, maybe tomorrow, where you can finally get into some of these stocks. That's it. I don't want to totally dismiss the possibility that rotation has run its course. Today's movement in tech was very powerful. But I worry that the moment we get another whiff of inflation, this counter-trend rally will quickly fade. And when it fades, we'll find out that there's way too much stock for sale in the cohorts that aren't working or that have been the counter-trend like today. The growth stocks are the opposite of the cyclicals. We have more shares than we know what to do with. Think about it. The amount of newly public tech and biotech stocks is preposterous. There's simply no end to them. And many of the newer ones are second-rate posers. Others are just in crowded spaces. Software as a service for customer relations. The Internet of Things, electrical vehicle parts, financial technologies. I mean, you can't keep track of all of them. Their share counts are endlessly growing because they pay people in stock. And the new ones crush you whenever a lockup on insider selling expires. 
Very few of the stocks that roared today belong to companies with powerful buybacks. Don't forget, the market's voracious appetite for new deals last year allowed pretty much every single unicorn to hit the IPO chute. So now you've got too many unicorns competing for the same pot of money. Throw in the SPAC attack and you get enough supply to drown the market in tech. You need these new deals to dry up because you can get a true bottom in the group. Only that way, which is why I keep saying that we aren't there yet. Remember, the stock market's ultimately driven by supply and demand. It is a market. Right now, the industrials have huge demand combined with limited supply, today being the exception. You have techs that have diminished demand with ever-increasing supply. Of course, there are other possible ways for the rotation to end. Maybe we get a bunch of tech mergers. Maybe the industrials and financials report disappointing earnings. Maybe somebody shuts off this SPAC spigot, thank heavens. Really, though, the rotation ends when we get some combination of a cessation in new share issuance and a belief that the inflation story really is transitory, like Jay Powell says. Believe me, it can happen. Usually it would have happened already. But we're in this weird situation where the Fed is refusing to tighten correctly, and these SPAC deals just won't stop. They are overwhelming. Surely every now and then we'll get a reprieve like we had today where the bond market behaves itself. But I don't want to bet that this counter trend rally will last for long. And that's why I recommend lightening up on some tech tomorrow, trying to find some industrials you can get comfortable with. What am I talking about? Nucor, the best steel maker. Boeing, down for a day. Union Pacific, crush. Don't overlook the old school automakers. Ford and GM, yeah, I know about the semi shortage, but so does everybody else. I like the better airlines, too, and that you're talking about United and Southwest. But the bottom line, you need to stay diversified. If you only own tech, where you're going to miss out on the great reopening stocks that were thrown away today. So take advantage of this temporary weakness in the industrials. Scale out of some tech into strength if you need the money to buy the industrials. And you know what? I don't think you'll regret it. Let's go to Gregory in my home state of New Jersey. Gregory! A big booyah, Jim. Booyah back. The ammunition and firearms space has received negative press of late, but one company that has its focus on hunting and outdoor recreation, that company that the co- company that cost my, caught my interest was Vista Outdoor, based on upward stock price momentum since the beginning of this year. Perhaps the uptick relates to the more interest in outdoor recreation due to the pandemic. What are your thoughts on Vista? I like Vista very much. It's a very inexpensive stock, and I agree with you. Now, look, I am a hunter and a fisherman, and I I, uh, believe in the outdoors, and so do my buds. And I have felt that these guys really are a very, very smart company. They're not nearly, a lot of the other companies in the industry just don't get it. So I do like that stock very much. And I think it's a buy at like nine times earnings, for heaven's sake. Let's go to David in California, please. David. Hey, Jim, how are you? Big fan of yours. Oh, Thanks thank for you. Having me on the show. Thank you. So my question for you today is about vaccine stocks, specifically the smaller and mid cap names. Right. So we know the vaccine market is about a $35 billion market. Pfizer alone is projected to bring in about $15 billion in revenue from COVID-19 shots. Over the past year, we watched Moderna shoot up 400% and they brought their vaccine to market. What about smaller names like Innovio Pharmaceuticals or Sorrento Therapeutics? Well, look, these are uh, Sorrento and Innovio are pure specs. Now, that said, we had Novavax almost a dollar, and they, they told a pretty good story. And the next thing you know, Novavax, well, I mean, let's just see. Novavax went to, oh, 237. So these are specs. But I'm always inclined, particularly for younger people, to have a spec. I've been criticized lately. I read an article this weekend that said, you know, Kramer favors speculation. If you're young, that's when you speculate, for heaven's sake. You're looking for the next big name. 
and it might be one of those. They're not my they're not my fans. I'm not my favorites, but I favor speculation for younger people. All right, the market does not move in a straight line. If you want the winners right now, I'd say you actually play the trend of what's being thrown away today and tomorrow. I want you to be diversified. That's why you own both. Now, on May Money tonight, I'm talking with the CEO of Biohaven Pharma, up nearly 100% in the past year, but it's down a lot in the last couple of weeks. Hear more about its latest developments and what investors can expect in 2021. I'm the spokesperson for the American Migraine from that foundation. I'll tell you what I expect. Pain! And I'm circling back to the online gaming platform with Roblox, and that you pronounce that row like R-O-W. The company came public last, uh, less than two weeks ago. And I, I missed the story then. I wasn't here. I'm telling it today. Don't miss my latest edition of Know Your Direct Listing. Wow, is that sexy? Plus, my, my exclusive with Arrival's Top Brass after news of its approved deal with CIIG Merger. I say stick with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. You know what I mean when I talk about the Wall Street fashion show? Just take a look at Biohaven Pharmaceuticals. It comes with an incredible migraine pill. I know it works because I use it myself. Last year, this stock simply refused to quit, surging from the mid-20s at the March lows to 100 at its peak in November. What a gross story. But since then, the stock has struggled, pulling back to $72 today. Not really through any fault of its own. As I said at the top of the show, the real issue is the rotation out of growth stocks and into the boom and bust cyclicals. I still like Biohaven. The migraine pill is selling even better than expected. And they've got some intriguing stuff in the pipeline, like a possible treatment for Parkinson's, ALS, multiple uh, system atrophy. So is it worth it to buy this one into weakness, especially after a offering that they just did where the stock is now down forefront? Let's check in with Dr. Vlad Korlek. And that, Dr. Van Korek is the CEO of Biohaven Pharmaceutical. And to, uh, I'll tell you, we have to ask a lot about what's going on with this drug, but also with some other things. Dr. Korek, welcome back to Man Money. It's great to be back, Jim, and thanks so much. You know, it's been about a year since we launched Nurtech ODT, and Biohaven has been changing the way we treat migraine. 
over half a million prescriptions for Nurtec this past year, and the growth looks very good quarter over quarter. Now, I happen to have in my hand a new Brelvi, which is the, uh, you know, Abvi. Uh, you seem to have even sales, but you're a fraction of the size of Abvi. So we have a sales force that's about two-thirds of their size, and we're underspending them on DTC. I think what's giving us the edge in this space is the fact that we have a very heavy digital-first campaign. And in addition to that, we're making sure that we use the power of the patient voice to spread the, the word about the differences between Nurtec and uh, the competitor products out there, and it's been effective. Well, I have to tell you, I saw something that I've never seen before. It's a March 15 note from an analyst from Piper Sandler, a great analyst, who literally just talks about how he has migraines and he takes migraine, I should say, and he takes Nurtec. I've never seen anything like it. He talked about what his uh, condition was, why he took it, and he realized 30 minutes until the center closed. It worked for him. I mean, it's not often that you get something that's just incredibly unsolicited as an analyst saying that it works for you. Well, you're right, Jim. And Tyler Van Buren's report about how his migraine was relieved by Nurtec was very compelling. And it's what we've been hearing from patients for years. And I have to say that right now we get about a thousand social media communications every single week from patients talking about their Nurtec experience. That's what makes me confident that if you deliver a good medication for patients, you're going to have an excellent business model. And that's what we're trying to confer on every day at BioHaven. Okay, so Vlad, the other day, it was actually Friday, I knew there was a change in the weather coming. And I, I know that it's not, I don't want to go off label. I had to wait. I got to change the weather. And then I got, the, I got migraine. And then I took BioHaven. And the migraine went away in a half hour. But it would have been great when I saw the weather forecast that if I had taken, uh, if I had just darn it taken Nurtec, I would have maybe not gotten migraine to begin with. What are we doing about having preventive? Well, Jim, we are eagerly awaiting word from the FDA in the second quarter on our SNDA for the prevention of migraine. And I have to tell you, we are so excited about this because we are the only company with the strategy of one medication at the same dose that would uh, treat both acute and prevent your next migraine. And once we hear back from the FDA in the second quarter, we'll know whether we can promote on that second indication. And that's gonna be a game changer for patients and a paradigm shift because up until now, patients have had to use multiple medications to treat their migraine. Right. If we're successful with this from the FDA, we'll be the only company that would have one drug to treat both acute and preventative. And we want to get rid of those old categories. We want people to be able to treat their migraine, period. All right, so Vlad, you know I'm the spokesperson for the American Migraine Foundation. So a friend of mine's brother uh, went to get this, and uh, it was not accepted. His insurance company did not accept it. So he went to his doctor, and the doctor said, listen, it's thousands of dollars if they don't accept it. There are still insurers that are holding out and won't let people have Nurtec? Well, I'm happy to report that that is, uh, you know, an anomaly and that we have uh, coverage by the majority of insurance plans right now. Over 90 percent of insurance plans cover Nurtec ODT. We do have an affordability program, so I'd encourage your friend to, to contact our company and we'll work with them to get access. Look, 
Access for patients is key. We're very fortunate that most insurers are covering it, but we do want to help patients who can't get coverage uh, get the treatment they deserve. Okay, so Vlad, there is a diseased ALS that's almost, uh, no one ever thinks there'll ever be a cure. Uh, but you are working on something at MassGen, and I don't want to give anybody false hope, but is it, are the trials going okay? Let me tell you, the MassGen is the leader in uh, ALS research and treatment. We were uh, really fortunate that they selected our compound Verdeprostat, which is a myeloperoxidase inhibitor that basically decreases brain inflammation. And they selected it for their ALS um, platform trial where they have a shared placebo arm and they're assessing multiple compounds uh, at once. Uh, we teamed up with them on this trial, and recruitment is way ahead of schedule, highlights the high unmet need here. Uh, we hope to have top-line phase three data by the end of this year in ALS, but also in multiple system atrophy, another devastating neurodegenerative disorder, and that's part of our mandate. We're going after some of the toughest disorders that there are in neurology. Patients need better treatments, Jim. Well, look, I got to wish you the best of luck. We all know that that disease is horrendous. Uh, and I also want to thank you. I've never seen an analyst report just devoted to how he got rid of migraine. Dr. Vlad Korek, the CEO of Biohaven. Great to see you, sir. Thank you for coming Take to the care. show. Take care. All right, look, uh, it, what can I say? The thing works for me. I, I don't know if it works for you, but I think the stock will work for you. It's well down from where it did an offering just last week. And I don't think that the Wall Street fashion show is going to mean the end of the stock because there's just too much good things happen at Biohaven. Stay with Kramer. Coming up, could one disruptor in the entertainment and gaming space become a block for your portfolio to build on? Kramer's got the rundown of a newly public stock that you should have your eye on next. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. I keep telling you this market's being flooded with new supply, courtesy of all these SPAC mergers, which are starting to get to me, all these IPOs, some direct listings. Now, we've reached a point where most of these deals have stopped generating much excitement. Many of them are landing with a thud now. There's simply too much merchandise. And with a few exceptions, the best stuff has already come public. 
But tonight, I want to circle back to one of those exceptional situations that happened when one of the numerous times I was on recuperation here, and it's called Roblox. And you pronounce the O like O. Um, And that's the online gaming platform where users, especially kids, can create their own video games. This thing came public via direct listing, which is that, you know, they just throw it out there a couple weeks ago. And while the stock's been a bit choppy, it's mostly held up despite an environment that's been pretty hostile to tech. And that's because, well, what can I say? It's loved. The product. Roblox is exactly the kind of turbocharged growth story that this market would have been salivating over six months ago. Not only is business booming, but they saw a rapid acceleration last year thanks to COVID, in part because parents got through the pandemic by sitting their kids in front of a computer and letting Roblox babysit them for hours on end. Roblox probably did a better job. Well, that's neither here nor there. However, in the last six weeks, fast-growing tech stocks have fallen out of favor with the Wall Street fashion show. The hot money's been going to the reopening stocks and the classic cyclicals, the industrials that benefit from a much stronger economy. Occasionally, you get a counter-trend day like this one where tech makes a comeback, but that's no longer the norm. So what do you do with Roblox? This is a great growth story in a market that's lost most of its appetite for great growth stories, even like terrific ones like this. I think this is a great company. Um, but is it a terrific stock? Open question. First, you need to understand what these guys actually do. Roblox is an online gaming platform that lets users build their own 3D digital worlds, when they can, which they can then share with their friends. In other words, it's part gaming, part accessible software development, and part social network. Think digital Legos if you have to, except you can share what you build with tens of millions of your fellow users. At the end of last year, Roblox had more than 20 million of these experiences, and the platform is a whole internal economy powered by their own digital currency, Robux, which uh, you can translate back into dollars. Basically, users can sell their own content, although the company takes a cut. And it's a reasonable cut, too. We're talking about real money, though. I mean, last year, the 4,300 developers in Roblox Developer Exchange Program earned nearly $330 million on the platform. This thing is for real. All this is free. But the company also has a subscription service called Roblox Premium that lets you buy discounted Robux and gives you access to a lot of special features. And that's how they get you. And I get, that's how they get you being, you know, again, a kind thing. What really sets Roblox apart, though, is that it's a safe destination for kids on the Internet. More than half of their user base is under 13 years old. So the company goes to great lengths to ensure that their platform is safe and child friendly. Think text filtering and content moderation by actual humans, not bots. Roblox has 2,300 people working to ensure everyone plays by the rules. When there's a complaint, an actual real person will respond within 10 minutes on average. That is one of the reasons I really like these guys. Can you imagine any other social network pulling that off? I mean, there's humans. But the most impressive part of this story is the numbers. Roblox had 39% bookings growth in 2019, which accelerated to 171% last year. But that's in large part because of the pandemic. Over the same period, the revenue growth jumped from 56% to 82%. All of this is being driven by a major uptick in daily active users, which increasingly by 80, they increased by 85% last year, while average hours engaged grew by 124%. And the last part we know can't be sustainable. I mean, you have to expect less engagement 
when the world reopens and the kids can play with each other in person again. I mean, that's just, it's going to happen. Meanwhile, Roblox has roughly half a million daily paying users. That's up 166% year over year. They're not going to go away. They're paying. However, even with all of this growth, Roblox continues to lose money. And in fact, the margins are going the wrong direction because the company's pouring capital into expanding the platform and taking market share overseas. They're growing like a weed in Asia, Pacific, Europe, and Latin America. Now, I, I know this is going to sound to the, uh, let's say, to the Graybirds out there, but I'm actually not worried about negative earnings. Uh, in part because we want companies like Roblox to invest heavily in growth, and in part because their free cash flow situation has improved dramatically. The company generated $14.5 million in free cash flow in 2019, but last year that skyrocketed to $411 million. And FCF, free cash flow, is a great way to judge these guys. And i got to tell you, I really like this business model. Roblox has spent a fortune building out its own infrastructure, meaning they're not captive to the public cloud vendors. And now they can clean up thanks to all this user-generated content, and I love that kind of business model. And look, the whole thing scales. As Roblox gets more users, it's also getting more people who create their own content. And more content attracts still more users. Virtuous circle. The stay-at-home economy allowed them to break out. But going forward, I'm betting they can maintain a lot of this flywheel-like momentum. Plus, I can't overstate the value of capturing the under-13 demographic. Hook people when they're young, and you hook them for life. According to Roblox, many users don't actually age out of the platform. I mean, when I spoke to them, I was shocked about this. You know, they often go from content consumers to content creators. Okay, what about some negatives here? My biggest concern with Roblox is that last year's incredible numbers simply won't be repeatable. But they've been really upfront about that. They, They expect a significant decline in engagement this year as the world goes back to normal. But... That means we could be looking at some ugly comparisons, and Wall Street's kind of dumb. It hates ugly comparisons even if it knows they're coming. doesn't matter how well Roblox telegraphs the stuff. A couple quarters of dramatically slowing growth will absolutely hurt the stock. However, if there's less slowing than expected, oh, man, this could be a strong performer. So let's talk valuation. At, at its last private fundraising round in January, Roblox raised over $500 million at $45 a share. Going to the direct listing a couple of weeks ago, that $45 level was the reference point. That was nice. But this thing exploded right out of the gate. With the first trade coming at $64.50, unusual for direct listing. The darn thing spiked to $79 last Wednesday before pulling back to the high 60s late last week and then bouncing to 70 today. At the current price and using fully diluted share control, uh, share count, Roblox is being valued at about, about, about $45 billion. Because, because so much of their money comes from subscription, I think it makes sense to judge this stock on a price-to-bookings basis. Not price-to-book, but bookings. Well, uh, based on the limited analyst coverage, the Wall Street consensus for the company to generate $2.71 billion in bookings next year, meaning Roblox trades at a little less than 17 times next year's bookings. Pretty expensive, but still in line with something like Snap or, and a lot cheaper than Unity software, maybe the closest comparison, and one that has taken a lot of millennials by storm. You ever talk to millennials, and I do, they always like Unity software. This is better. Putting it all together, you got my blessing to put on a position in Roblox right now, right here. Although I'd like it, of course, at a much lower level, but this is the real deal. If it keeps climbing, though, I wouldn't pay more than $83.50 for this one, which is roughly 20 times next year's bookings, at least not until we get more visibility into how they see the rest of the year playing out. The bottom line, Roblox could have a very choppy year once the economy fully reopens. So as much as I like this story, please don't buy it unless you're prepared for some turbulence when that happens. That said, this is a good one. I think it's worth it to weather a possible storm, and I recommend buying some right here. I'd be buy some for your kids. Then you can buy more on the way down. But only if you share my conviction, you've done the work, and you realize how incredible these key financial metrics really, really are. Let's go to Phil in North Carolina. Phil! Jimmy, how you doing, son? 
doing well. How about you? I'm doing good. Listen, before I start, I just hope that you are on the road to recovery with your health and everything gets back to normal with you. I hope you oh, are thank you. My, my PT guy, Jim, says I'm doing well, so that's all I care about. I'm doing a couple miles. I'm walking. I'm feeling real good. Thank you for, for mentioning, but I, you know, not good. I feel like I'm getting somewhere. So what's going on? You sound good. Thank you. Okay. Uh, listen, before I start, I have a granddaughter. Her name is Lily. Chloe? And because of that, I got Lily. her involved in Eli Lilly. Okay. Okay. Matter of fact, she when I have you on the TV, she likes to watch you, and she knows a little bit about you. But if you could give her a little shout out, because I'm going to stick with Lily Stock. You have to. My grandma's name was Lily. Now Lily's hurting me, not my grandma, because she passed a long time ago. But Eli Lilly's a little down. Uh, now, why is it down? The answer is very simple, because they didn't deliver on uh, on what was thought to be a really uh, important Alzheimer's test. I welcome David Ricks back. We have to have David back because, boy, I felt good at 206. And now my heart, my, my heart sinks at 186. We need David back. I now need to Phil, Give me the stock. What's the stock? Yeah. Yeah. The stock is my daughter's a, my daughter's a travel agent. And she says that Lily. the business is not it's although it's doing good. It's not the way she expected it to be at this time, okay? I bought Airbnb about a month ago. I'm up 20 points on it. Do you, well, should I hold it or should I You hold right it because Brian Chesky's brilliant, and this is the way people are going to – believe me, people are going to rent houses. They're tired of we, – we found out how much cheaper it is to rent a beautiful house than it is to rent a sterile hotel room, and we recognize it. And Brian Chesky has managed to be able to show people what it's like – and now it's going to be a great run for Airbnb. All right, sir, I, I, I like the Roblox story, but if you're going to buy it, you have to understand there's going to be turbulence when the numbers come out. But I think this is one of the best that has come public in 2021. Much more man money ahead, including my Susan, but the rival's top best. Is that an exciting story? This is the latest electric back. Expect to begin trading on NASDAQ on Thursday. And I want you to know the story. Tune in to find out. Then is the latest round of stimulus checks. The stimmies rolls out and the fear around higher rates intensifies. Young investors are flocking to nothing other than Tesla. I'm helping you to make sense of this latest move in the stock. And all your calls, of course, rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Over the last month, the once high-flying electric vehicle SPACs have rolled over. Now only the higher-quality ones are bouncing back, as they should. Take Arrival, the British company that's developing electric vans and buses with a plan to totally reinvent the manufacturing process using what they call microfactories. Arrival is about to combine with CIIG Merger. They, apply, they approved the deal last week. It's set to close on Wednesday, which means on Thursday, CIIG Merger stock, currently trading on the symbol CIIC. I know it's a little complicated, but CIIC is the symbol, becomes Arrival, which will trade under the symbol ARVL. I recommended this one in December. 21 bucks is now 25 after some roller coaster action. But this is a very different market from December. So uh, what do we do with one of the higher quality electric vehicle plays? Why don't we go straight to the short, uh, to the source? I mean, I got to tell you, this is one of, I love the stock, but I got to find out more. This is Avinash Rugabar. He is the president and chief strategy officer of Arrival. You get a better read on his business. Mr. Rugabar, congratulations on the deal. Welcome to Mad Money. 
Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Okay, so Ivan, as you know, that when everybody else was just kind of like, I don't know, we came out hard three and a half months ago and said, look, this is the one. All right. So for those who unfortunately may have actually missed the segment, I want to give you the floor to introduce Arrival because I think it's the one that has the most sustainability. Oh, thanks, Jim. So, yeah, so we were founded in 2015. We've got over 1,600 employees. Uh, we're creating best-in-class electric vehicles at a competitive price point to fossil fuel with a lower total cost of operation. And, you know, for us, when your product is price competitive with fossil fuel and it's a better product, uh, that's the point where the whole market shifts to being electric. But to do that, we're vertically integrated. So we started from scratch. We design our own components like the battery, the human machine interface, etc. We have our own skateboard platforms, which allow us to do multiple vehicle types. Uh, we write our own software on the vehicle and the tools for the operators. We use recyclable, sustainable composite materials for our body uh, instead of typical metal. So you don't need the paint shop or the metal stamping plant. These are huge, expensive plants in the typical production method. And all of this allows us to produce it in low capex, low footprint micro factories that can be placed anywhere in the world. And, and you know, at, you're right. You know, you did support us early on. And I think you know, from all I've seen in the market has shifted a lot with the, uh, only company that can produce best-in-class vehicles in these micro factories, and that enables this price competitiveness uh, because we invented it. Now, we should also point out that it's not just the uh, uh, a delivery vehicle, and UPS has a lot of orders, but it's a gorgeous bus, too. So how many things can you make with these micro factories? <laughs> so I'd like to say that Arrival's not creating just the best-in-class electric vehicles. It's creating the systems right. that create best-in-class electric vehicles. So you know, you're right. You know, you're seeing a bus, and, and I agree. I think it's the coolest bus I've, I've ever seen. And then, but it also lets us do the van, the large van. We have a small vehicle platform. But these technologies, this deep tech that we have, can really be combined into multiple different vehicle segments, and all produced using that small, low capex micro factory. All right. So I don't want to get. Uh I had this guy on from Lordstown. All right, and he said orders, uh, and it became kind of a, I don't know, contentious issue. Uh, now, you have in your deck that you have $1.2 billion in orders, but you also disclose that uh, the UPS is principal one, that, that they can be canceled or modified at any time. You, you got to stick by that, right? I mean, because in order, who knows what's going to happen with UPS, but they are a huge backer of yours. Yeah, absolutely. So we've actually been working together for since about 2016, and it's a long-term relationship. They actually invested in Arrival as well, and you know they work with us. They come to our factory. We're building a vehicle that's really fit for purpose for them. And, uh, you know, as you mentioned, ultimately what's important here is the offering and the value prop that we're giving them. It's not just UPS, it's also the other customers. I mean, if, if you're a fleet purchaser, you can get an arrival electric vehicle with better attributes than your current diesel one at, at a competitive price and lower t- total cost of ownership, and you can produce it locally. So there's no reason not to shift to an electric vehicle. So, you know, with UPS, this is a long-term partnership. Uh, they're, they're great partners of Arrival, and we, we expect that to continue long-term. And then you, know, you had 17th March of 2021, you announced the new micro factory coming in Charlotte. And then yep. you're talking about how maybe uh, next year at this time, will we be seeing these on the street? Yes. So our bus actually goes into production at the end of this year, our van in uh, the second half of next year. We, we announced Charlotte. Uh, we're partnered with the city of Charlotte to... Uh, produce a whole transportation ecosystem together. So there'll be more to talk about that at the right time. But, you know, what's interesting about the microfactory is you can use existing warehouses and turn them into production facilities. And so when you look at the global scale that, that needs to shift to being electric, we expect to have microfactories, you know, all around the world. I mean, the U.S. is our, uh, U.S., U.K. and Europe will be our first focus. 
But ultimately, these micro factories can be in, in any major city around the world. Well, look, I got to wish you the best of luck. This could be a major, major, major game changer. Really terrific. Avinash Rugabar, president of Arrival. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks. Look, we liked it in December after we looked at what they are accomplishing. When you go to their deck, and I urge you to do so, you'll see why I'm so excited. And this week, it starts trading as a rival. May have money's back in. Just chill out. Chill man is in the house. Chill man be king. The chill man is in the house. He's happy. The lightning round is coming up when Mad Money returns. It is time! It's time for the lightning round! And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski Daddy, time for the lightning round! I'm going to start with Clark and Florida. Clark! Hey, Jim, how you doing? Couldn't be better. Like thank you for your... asking. What's up? Oh, thank you. I'd like to get your opinion on Marvell Technologies. Okay, Marvell, big position for my travel trust. Went all the way back down. We started buying it again. If the songs are Marvell. Let me tell you something. This is still the ultimate 5G play, and I am not backing away from that. They had a great quarter. Don't let people tell you otherwise. I need to go to Linda in Washington. Linda. Hi, Jim. Linda. Yeah, from Washington. There you go. I want to know about CRISPR. CRISPR is one of the great spec stocks. Now, that's because uh, genetic... Look, whenever you have a genetic engineering or sequencing company, you got to understand it's not going to be bought on earnings. It's going to be bought on spec, and you got a great spec there. I need to go to Robert in California. Robert. Booyah, Jimmy Chill. Whoa, let's go. Hey, man, I saw we have the CEO of Lithia Motors on the show. Uh, just a little side note, Lithia Park in Ashton, Oregon. It's a special place for me and my wife. Uh, we bought the stock, and it's been killing it since. Does Lithium Motors have more room to run, Jim? I think it does. It's a special place for me, too, with my daughter, with the fairies at the top of, this, of, the, uh, of the hill. And we would go there and actually just sit with each other and talk. So I agree with you. And I think that Lithium Motors is a very, very good stock. <laughs> and I like that used car business, too. Ah, Ashland's so special. Let's go to Philip in California. Philip! Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Hey, first time, long time. Okay. I had a quick question for you. Yes. With this company recently partnering with Amazon Web Services, Google, and Microsoft, what's your thoughts on Nokia? You know what? They can't. They do everything they can to save that thing, and I got to tell you, that dog will not hunt. No. Okay. I need to go to Amol in California. Amol. Booyah, Jim. This is Emil from... Los Angeles, California. All right. Thank you for 16 years of guidance. I know, 16 years. I look younger than ever. Not. Go ahead. (laughs) My stock is CSIQ, Canadian Solar. Uh, No, no, we're we're down. So people are going to be starting to change. I think a lot, I actually believe that a lot of the incentives are going to go away. So I've cooled on the solar space. But now I'm going to Norman in California. Norman. Hi, Jim. Booyah. Booyah. Uh, There's a couple. This company that's disrupting the auto insurance industry by charging by the mile, saving a bunch of money. It's Metro Mile. Just went public. I know it just went public, and that's why we want John Butler on, because we don't know enough about this. Look, we liked the lemonade when it was much, much lower, and they had a nice uh, chunk of change from people there. So we got to have Metro Mile on the show. So Metro Mile, you're invited. Let's go to uh, Robert in Massachusetts. Robert. 
Hey, Jim, it's an honor and a pleasure and a great big Boston booyah to all of emanation. And I'd like to ask you about a stock, BioNanogenomics, a recent high flyer back to Earth. I know you you have to buy these genomic stocks when they come in. And this one has definitively come in, and I sanction buying it if you want, if you want a spec, and only if you want a spec. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up. What do you get when you combine a superstar CEO, an army of retail investment revolutionaries, and Wall Street's most fearsome one-woman wrecking crew? You get a white-hot Kramer take you can't afford to miss when Mad Money returns. Take control of your financial future with the new madmoney.cnbc.com. Kramer's exclusive CEO interviews, full episodes, analysis, even your own soundboard. Plus special access to Mad Money 101 with rules and techniques to break down the market for all investors. The red flag that makes me drop a stock immediately is... It's everything you need right when you need it. The new madmoney.cnbc.com. versus bonds. That's what this market's become. The stimmy is the stimulus money, much of which will flow into stocks because that's what happened the last time the federal government sent people a bunch of checks. At the same time, though, the bond market screamed that it's time to sell exciting growth stocks because inflation's coming back. So you got a whole other group of investors pushing these names in the opposite direction. Of course, the young investors uh, who are more likely to get stimulus checks, uh, all this bond market stuff, well, frankly, it's meaningless to them. So it's a tug of war. And if you want the clearest example, I need you to look at the stock of Tesla, which is the ultimate growth vehicle. Now, here's a stock that's beloved by the new generation of investors, but it had stalled out in recent months, falling from 900 to 655 last Friday. That is until this weekend, when Kathy Wood, the manager of ARC Funds, and the person with the hottest hand in the entire industry, made a cold shot. She said Tesla can go to 3,000 in 2025. That's just her base case. Her bull case is 4,000. Even a bear case of 1500 is more than double where the stock currently is trading. So younger investors flocked to this thing today, sending it up more than 2%. They see Wood talking about how Tesla could be making 5 to 10 million cars at a low cost, and maybe they'll even be fully autonomous robo-taxis by then, and it catches their fancy. Don't forget, Elon Musk has suggested to me that he'd like to try to help reinvent the electric grid in the country with a gigantic solar farm in northwest Colorado. Fabulous idea, and boy, does he ever know solar. That's part of the package. If it works... It would be a fabulous idea. It may be another source of potential upside for Tesla. As exciting as that sounds, investors who take their cue from the bond market, really boring people, are taking the other side of the Tesla trade, betting Tesla stocks will fall if interest rates keep climbing like they've done for the last seven weeks. In their view, the stock was only able to rally, only able to rally today because we got a rare reprieve. Interest rates did not go higher. Remember, the rise in bond yields has led to wholesale destruction of the entire tech sector. That's really why Tesla fell from 900 to the 600s. Most of the big gun money managers understand the power of the bond market. So they see today's action as merely a temporary respite from the selling. And that's why they want to sell Tesla all along with all the other high uh, growth stocks, you know, with all the giant growth stocks. And believe me, they'll come back in a second. Now, you got to understand, it's not that they disagree with Kathy Woods' vision here. Although I'm sure many of them actually do. More importantly, they don't care about her vision at all. 
It doesn't matter to them if Tesla can make 5 million, 10 million cars at a low cost. They see a future of raging inflation, and inflation is lethal to growth stocks. Kathy Wood says Tesla could make a fortune in 2025. These money managers say, so what? Those $2025, uh, well, they'll have a lot less purchasing power than our dollars in 2021. So who wins this tug of war in the end? Well, I got to tell you, the bond market's going to decide for us. It's got a mind of its own. Tesla can rally if rates stop going higher from here. Otherwise, I don't think there are enough stimmy checks to move the needle. The younger crowd just isn't powerful enough to beat all those the bond market-related selling from the big institutional investors who don't really care about the stimmy checks. Now, look, this is no knock on Kathy Wood. Knock on Wood. Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you didn't like it? I was pretty good. Hey, how many jokes do you get in a financial show? All right. Anyway, she's got an incredible track record. But if you expect Tesla to get a multi-trillion dollar valuation, like she said, then I think Elon Musk's clear behind Skid. And the 2025 time frame won't matter if the inflation uses went out. But the real question isn't whether we'll have persistent inflation. Personally, I actually doubt it. The problem is there's so much institutional money that believes in the inflation thesis. Maybe the younger cohort will be able to take their stimulus checks and push this thing higher. But Tesla's stock is a heck of a lot bigger than something like GameStop. So until the bond market relents, I'm betting Tesla stays stuck in neutral through no fault of its own. I'd like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.